if you could have more fulfillment and ease in your professional and personal life and still be ambitious? Join me, Kathy Onetto, founder of Sustainable Ambition, for conversations with experts, authors, and friends on what it means to live with sustainable ambition. Learn concepts, tips, and tools to craft a fulfilling career on your terms while still being ambitious and avoiding burnout. For show notes from this episode, visit sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Now, let's learn more to help you craft your career to support your life from decade to decade. On to today's conversation. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I wanted to provide a prologue to this episode as an introduction to this series I'm doing in partnership with my good friend and colleague, Philip Van Dusen. The topic is leaving corporate and moving into self-employment or starting a business. So our intent with this series is really to create a guide to going out on your own. And why are we doing this series? Well, for me, it got on my radar, frankly, as a listener request. So Thank you to those of you who are interested in hearing more on this topic. And then since then, it really has become something that I've been talking to a lot of different people about, either through my coaching practice or through networking. People are really kind of curious about what it is like to go out on their own or if I can share tips on how I've done things and what I've learned. And so I thought I'd bring this to all of you. And I thought... Who better to explore this topic with than Philip? I just, I thought it would be more interesting to bring somebody else into this conversation. And, you know, both of us have had long careers in corporate before we then went out on our own and even have a shared journey that we'll talk about here on the series. Now, as we started to plan this, we realized that this is a big topic. And as we started to frame it out, we realized that um, it could become this series, which is which is what it has become. And while we know that there are a lot of resources out there again on this, we thought it would just be helpful to share our experiences with the hope that it helps you in your own journey. And I will just say, you know, for me, even with an undergraduate and graduate business degree and having expertise in branding, there's really been quite a bit of learning in finding my own way with self-employment and running a business. So as I shared, this is a series and because it's a big topic, we're we're covering the different topics in five different episodes. And I'm going to be posting them here on the Sustainable Ambition podcast. And Philip is also going to post on his podcast, the Brand Design Masters podcast. And so here are the five episodes we're going to be covering. The first topic is on owning your professional brand narrative. And it's really about how to build your brand while you are still employed. The second will be on recognizing it's time to go and how to go. The third, we're going to cover what to do before you pull the plug and jump ship. The fourth is about getting resourced. And then the last one will be about getting your brand and new business going. And really, once you're up and going, what to think about in terms of the beyond. 
So the other thing I want to just call out here is we've never done this before. We, you know, so you're going to hear that um, we might stumble a little bit or kind of are finding our way in this co-hosting realm um, of the podcast. And you'll kind of get a sense of each of us takes turns at different times and kind of leading the conversation. But hopefully you'll just, you know, go with that and still get value from the conversation. Um, I always love being in conversation with Philip, so I hope you enjoy it as well. And we hope you'll tune in for the whole series and hear what we've learned about how to build a work life after corporate life. Now, before we jump into today's episode, let me properly introduce Philip. He has been on the podcast twice in episode number six and episode number 25. But in case you missed those, let me just make sure I properly introduce him to you. So Philip Van Dusen is a creative entrepreneur and owner of Verhal Brand Design, a branding agency based in New Jersey. As a thought leader, Philip shares his expertise in marketing, design, and entrepreneurship on YouTube to his 250,000 subscribers. He also shares his expertise in his Brand Muse newsletter, on the Brand Design Masters podcast, as I mentioned, and in his Brand Design Masters Facebook community. In his career, Philip has led creative teams on both the client and agency sides, serving as VP of Design for PepsiCo and Old Navy, and Executive Creative Director at the iconic branding firm Landor Associates. Past clients include a host of Fortune 100 companies, and at this point, I would also just add a number of small businesses and entrepreneurs as well. Now with that, let's jump into today's conversation. Welcome back everyone to this series on leaving corporate and going out on one's own. I am Kathy Onetto, host of the Sustainable Ambition Podcast. And I'm Philip Van Dusen, host of the Brand Design Masters Podcast. So we are doing this series together and we're posting them on each of our pod podcasts because we believe this is an interesting topic for all of our listeners. So I'm going to be kind of leading the conversation today. Philip and I have recognized that it's usually helpful for one of us to take the lead as we're going through this series, but who knows? We'll jump around. Yeah. We're flexible yes. and we'll kind of just see how the conversation take, takes us, where it takes us. So um, in kicking us off, let's briefly just cover where we've been so far in this series. So we kicked off at the beginning and said, like, we realized, wow, this is a series, this topic, it's it's a big topic. And as we started to break it down, we started with, we think it's four episodes, and then all of a sudden it grew to five. So <laughs> here we are at episode number three, and we've had two episodes of the series so far. And we've been following this analogy of a trip and this idea of think about it almost as if it's your hero's journey of leaving corporate and going out on your own. And the first episode really talked about what's your character? Who is this hero? And essentially, what's your personal brand? And, and why is that important to really think about that? And to think about that, frankly, always in your career, but then especially as you're thinking about potentially this inkling, like, hey, I might be going out on my own. Like, why is it important to start to think about your personal brand? We would probably say it's important always, Philip, I think. Yes. But um, the second episode then talked about how to know when it's time to go and how to leave. So we spent some time on that as well. And I thought I would just call out a couple of quick things before we dive into today's topic, because I think it kind of tees up a little bit of what we're going to be talking about today. And 
from the last two episodes, there were what what you might have noticed, and you're probably going to notice it maybe a little bit today as well, is that we've jumped around several of these topics. Some of these topics may not be completely new, um, and that's not surprising. They they really are intertwined and work together. And one of the things we also called out in episode number two was that there are a number of reasons why you might end up choosing to go out on your own. And some of them are within your control and self-directed, and some of them are not in your control and can be sudden or sneak up on you. So, you know, that, that latter one, this like not in your control and being sudden is one reason why we, going back to episode number one, we, we think we should invest in personal branding. It really, the power of it is it gives you optionality. And if you are caught off guard and you've been mindful of your personal branding, you can have a bit of a softer landing if something like that sudden kind of happens. Um, Now, if things are within your control and you start to see this potentially on the horizon, that's where today's episode comes into play. This is really about planning your adventure. How do you get yourself ready really for this next chapter? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to, we have a few different topics to talk about as part of this, you know, what to really do before you make the leap. You know, what is, what should you be planning for as you think about this adventure that might be on the horizon? So Philip, I know when you, and maybe you can choose which experience you want to talk about, but, you know, because when, when you first made the leap, it was a little more sudden. And so I'm kind of curious how you, in that ca- case, may have handled planning or, you know, you you first went out on your own and then we talked about how you also started to create your agency. So whichever like planning model you want to kind of lean into, but how did you kind of handle planning? How did you think about it? Yeah. And as I shared in an earlier episode, I really, I, my move away from corporate agency into my own thing was more sudden and it wasn't really planned and I didn't really plan for it. Um, But I think that that's one of the reasons why I wanted to share it because there are listeners who might have gone through that or it been a little more um, jarring than something that became very planful. Um, And so One of the things I did, though, when I decided to step away, and one of the reasons why I stepped away was because I wasn't really happy doing what I was doing anymore, and I wasn't really feeling like I had a passion for it anymore. So my plan was not to have figured out, oh, how can I continue to do this thing on my own? My plan was like, how can I figure out how to do something else? And so that's where really my journey started when I stepped away was that I went through a period of self-discovery. So I started working with an executive coach where I did a lot of kind of internal work around my passion, my interests, looking at, you know, my Myers-Briggs, which had actually changed in the, you know, since I'd taken it 10 years before. And looking at how can I discover what it is that I'm going to be doing in the future. And so, I um, started connecting with a lot of network partners, including you, Kathy, working with a coach. I started doing a lot of informational interviews. So I started getting this kind of inkling of an idea of really being interested in American craft and craftsmanship and the, the whole maker's culture that was kind of exploding at that time. And I started, you know, contacting these heads of companies that were doing really interesting things in that space and going off and just saying, hey, can I have half an hour of your time in your office and pick your brain around what it is you're doing with this particular company? So I did a lot of um, kind of searching and also 
just exploring what there was outside of this walled, you know, world that I've been living in for 20 years. And one of the things that I did, um, well, Kathy, you and I know that we started, we talked about this in a previous episode, we started a online accessories company that was based around story and provenance of goods, et cetera. And when I did that, or we did that, um, I started to really get my get in there and get my hands dirty, doing a lot of design and brand building work that I'd been very kind of distant from before. And that really changed how I was viewing and my interest in what I was doing. And, my, and it kind of rekindled my passion for it. But because we were on our own, you were on the West Coast and your home office, I was on the East Coast in my home office. Suddenly I was very disconnected from any kind of network or feedback. I was in a new sea of things that I didn't really know that much about. So I, I sought out a mastermind group and joined a paid mastermind group full of uh, people who were building personal brands and, and entrepreneurial businesses. And that's really where I started to understand what this new world could be or what it even entailed. And so for me, that was one of the major steps in, if you could say so, planning for my next um, independent uh, consulting sort of uh, gig was I surrounded myself who were with people who were in that world and doing that work. So I, I could figure out like, what is it that's possible? How do you even approach this? Um, so that's one of the things. One of the things I did. How about you? Yeah, this is so interesting, and I I think I ended up doing some of the things that you did, Philip. But I'll, I'll build on it. I think that, and I'm gonna what I'm gonna pull through because you're making me realize a few things that you did that I think I did as well. And that for me show up as I've been doing research around sustainable ambition and what I think are some important things for people to think about in this realm. So I'm someone, you know, from a planning perspective, I'm someone who maybe I, I think about myself too much. <laughs> I meaning, meaning I do do self-discovery work. And I think as I work with people in this space, I'm not saying you said this, Philip, but so many people are not in touch with who they are and what they want and what they want now. And what you need for that is some space. You need space right. to explore. And that's what I heard you say is like, I gave myself some space to explore. And that was part of my planning is that I did give myself a little bit of that space to explore. I also took a sabbatical before I went out on my own. And I'll admit too, even there, actually, I tried to figure it out during that time and it was the wrong thing for me to be doing because I was getting too hung up on trying to figure it out instead of just enjoying my sabbatical. <laughs> and so there's time time for these things where you kind of may need to give yourself some place, space rather for that ex exploration. And so that was one thing that I did. The other thing that I want to call out was two things. One is that you know, certainly before I went out on my own, I got my husband on board with the decision to go out on my own, right? That, that personal plan, that financial plan to kind of do that. And one of the things you called out, and I think this is important, I, I know I feel I am privileged to have been in this position, but it's also not without planning and having some uh, beliefs around saving for a rainy day, if you will. Like, 
you know, thinking about your finances, I know you said this, Philip, when you had something a little bit more sudden, you were also fortunate to have some savings to kind of give yourself some space and some runway to kind of allow you to explore and find what was next. And so if you, I think about it as building like optionality, right? So being able to have some finances where you've been thoughtful about saving, frankly, and not spending everything if you're lucky enough to have be fortunate enough to do that because it buys you some optionality and it extends your runway. And so I think it was some pre-planning around that, that I think also helped me before I went out on my own. Um, There's some other things that I, that I did, but I'll kind of pause there to see if you have any reaction to what I've shared. Yeah. And I, I'd love to, um, if it's not right now, but in you know just a little bit, I'd love to t- talk or focus in on a little bit about that pause time, about what happens in that pause time. Because I experienced something where I was something that I was not expecting, which was under the. I didn't realize how much of my self identity was tied up in the company that I worked for and the title that I held and the level that I was working at, and. Suddenly, when those things were gone, I had to create an entirely new conception of who I was and my self-worth, to be honest with you. Um, Because when you are carrying a business card with a big fancy company, a big fancy title, there is a level of, you know, weight that that's carried and carries into any conversation. And suddenly when you don't have that and you have a business card with a company that no one's ever heard of before and – Unless you are constantly referencing your last job, which I, you know, tried not to do, you have to establish kind of a new presence for yourself. And so that is a psychological transition that I don't think a lot of people even anticipate is going to happen, right? So did you did you experience that? that? I experienced a similar thing, and I think you and I had the same surprise of going out on, and this was, this even happened to me actually, as I went into my sabbatical and I've heard this from other people too, as they go do these transitions. And even as they go out on their own, where they start to realize like, oh my gosh, I'm having an identity crisis. And I think it's part of this. I think about it as, you know, there's the personal planning you can do. And then there is, as you said in this, there's this transition kind of planning that one needs to do as I look back on it now. And I think what people may not realize is that the reality is when you go to make a switch like this, it is a transition, right? And there are different stages to transitions. And I kind of go back to the seminal book that William Bridges wrote on transitions. There's an ending, there's a neutral zone, and there's a new beginning. And it's in that neutral, frankly, probably the ending and in that neutral zone where this kind of surprise of like, wait, how do I tell people what I'm doing? How do I talk about this? What is my story? What is my story even to myself in terms of, because that's what you're saying. Like the reality is for better or worse in the United States, what's the first question everybody asks you? What do you do for work? Right. What do you do? You know, and it's not uncommon for most people, especially ambitious people to kind of lean into like, well, I'm a VP of design. I'm a VP of strategy. I'm this, I'm that, right? It's very easy to kind of, have that as an anchor. Um, and when that goes away, it, it throws you off for yeah, sure. Absolutely. 
And I, I think we talked that about that in a previous episode about how you need to start thinking about what your story is going to be. And that, I think, is one of those preparatory things that you can do while you're still employed that will help you start to establish some sort of psychological level of independence. And, um, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have that kind of forethought or planning to do, that's a great step. But what I would say is that if if it's not if you aren't fortunate in that way, and you, maybe you're looking at being self-employed out of coming out of a layoff or something of that nature, then you still have to understand that there is that work that you're going to have to do. There is that psychological kind of shift and um, uh, kind of inflection point where you're going to have to figure out how to redefine yourself and also figure out how to redescribe yourself, um, and so. Yeah, I think that that's that's one of those things I totally wanted to touch on is that there is a shock that goes on in moving from corporate to independence in your self level of self identity and how you address that. Yeah, and I think this is the thing that I want to punctuate about that as well is just that there is an emotional journey that happens with this. And so it, there is an internal journey. So, you know, how you describe yourself, how you tell your narrative, it's one aspect of it. But I think it's helpful from my perspective to raise awareness of this because I think sometimes people are surprised. And if you can be aware of the fact that, oh, I'm going through a transition and Having taken a class uh, with an individual who had done, she got her PhD doing work on rites of passage. So this seminal like transition, right? These different rites of passage during our lifetimes. And unfortunately, in our modern culture, a lot of the rituals around those rites of passage have evaporated, mm-hmm. right? We don't have the structural support that people often need as they're going through these stages. And what I found really helpful in listening to her talk about this was that, oh, you can actually craft, if you go in with eyes wide open, you can help craft the support you might need as you're going through a transition. And you even brought this up, Philip, like one, you know, there's there's internal support you need, there's external support that you can look for as you're going through a transition and coming out the other side. And you mentioned that, like, you, you got a, an executive coach who could be a partner for you. You found a community you could participate in. And so that's one of the things on the transition plan that I'd like to just call out for people because I know I went through another transition and that's where I had learned about this. And I realized like, oh, wow, I didn't realize how much of a transition I was going through and that I need to craft I have to craft this transition plan, right? I need to craft how I'm going to support myself as I go through this. Yeah, and I think that one of the most important aspects of my starting to network in this mastermind community with other solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, was that it it showed me, I mean, as much planning as I thought I had done in my head about how I would have a brand consultancy, what I would offer, what I would do, I had no idea the the scope of potential possibilities I could have and how to go about that. Um, just for instance, you know, I was thinking, okay, I've got to get some clients. I'm going to do some design work. I'll do some consulting. Um, I'll share my expertise with people. Maybe be, you know, a um, 
a, a temporary VP of design for companies that can't afford internal marketing departments, right? And then as I got into this mastermind group, I realized there are people who are doing this, but they're also launching a YouTube channel or they're also developing a uh, digital course that they're that they're um, they're giving and then they're recording it and putting it up as evergreen content that they can you know earn passive income from there are people who are writing books there are people who are uh, you know setting up websites and landing pages to deliver lead magnets so they can be, build their email list and so they can uh, you know, develop a newsletter and publish their content through people who actually have signed up and want to hear from them. There's There were all these sorts of activities, marketing level activities that I was not familiar with, you know, speaking circuits, um, paid mastermind groups, right? And so there were all these options that you could, that could flower out of what your core business idea was. And those were things that I had had no previous experience with and no concept that to a certain extent even existed. And so when those things came on my radar from watching other people build their businesses, I was like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. I could do that. Like, what would I have to learn in order to have a YouTube channel or to start a podcast? Or, you know, how do I start an email list? What would I do with an email list? You know? And all of those things were not in my original concept. They weren't in my original business model canvas of like how I was going to run my business. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because it's, you know, one of the other ways that I planned and you're making me realize, Philip, as I was looking back at some of my notes on like what I had actually planned, I realized that I planned more on the what I'm going to say the hard stuff and what I mean is not difficult, but like I'm realizing the personal plan and the transition plan, that's kind of like the soft side The like, you know, it's not all soft, but you know, it's kind of, how am I going to support myself emotionally? The personal plan is, is more than that. But this, like, I actually had thought about my, like, what am I going to go out on my own doing? I don't think I thought about that enough, like the mo business model that you're talking about. And I, I, you know, but I did think about like, how do I want to present myself? And, and we'll get into branding, but really in that, I knew that I didn't want to present myself just in marketing. It's not uncommon to just be a contractor for people. When, when I say contractor, it's also, it's more this, you know, somebody's, this is going to sound, I don't like how this sounds, but this is the reality of it somebody's going out on maternity leave. Can you come in and like hold, you know, do that role for three to six months and then you move on to the next. And I knew I didn't want to present myself in that way, right? That's one way of going out on your own is just participate as a contractor in mm -hmm. this gig economy in that yeah. kind of way. And I wanted to present myself differently. I wanted my business model to be different than that. So I had thought about that. And I had also thought about like, okay, well, what are my success metrics around this? Like, how do I know this is what I really want to keep doing? Like, is this going to stick? Is this going to work for me? So I actually did that. And I crafted a high level, rough business plan for myself, uh, you know, in terms of where, where I, what I thought I was going to do around kind of building an agency model, in, including like identifying partners. You and I talked, I talked with other people. I, I thought about what resources I would need in, from, in a partnership kind of model. So I did some of that, but like you, 
you know, it's, it's not surprising, like we're starting up and yet you pivot along the way. And I continue to learn about business models. So some of what you're describing too, like all these different options that are actually out there in this world of solopreneurship or being a small business owner, there's so many models. And I think sometimes when we go out, we don't always realize that's what's possible. And you had talked about in a prior episode doing a competitive audit. And we were saying like part of the benefit of starting to do that is that you can get some inspiration and you can start to see like, oh, right. is somebody doing something that interests you or like that looks kind of cool and like sparks, just sparks for you in some way. Yeah. And that's what being in the mastermind did for one thing. There were a couple re- things. When you were talking, one of the things that you said, which was you know, I reached out to you. And when I thought of starting my own thing, I knew that I wanted to do a virtual sort of agency where it was a partnership model where I would either white label my services under other people. They would do that with me. It was more of a partnership sort of economy model. So I reached out to, you know, a half dozen, 10 previous, uh, partners that I really liked working with and I thought were very talented. And I just asked them, I say, hey, you know, if I land the clients, land the work, will you work these projects with me if it's outside of my core skill set? And everyone said yes. So I suddenly had a, you know, wonderful basket of like people who I really loved and respected and dug working with in the past. So I had that aspect of the, the business structure sussed out. What I didn't anticipate was that I realized that I didn't want to work with a Fortune 500 anymore. I wanted to work with entrepreneurs and startups and solopreneurs and small to medium-sized businesses. So as I said in a previous episode, my accumulated network of my 20 years were all still living in big agency, big corporate. They were going to be no use to me in getting clients at the scale of the sorts of clients that I wanted. So I had to figure out toot sweet, like how am I going to get clients? And that's when um, these sorts of new ways of going about it were my my antenna was up for. My antenna was up for like, okay, how am I going to get clients in this new sort of milieu that I find myself in? And that's when I started really kind of gathering those those observations from the people in this mastermind group and other people I was networking with who were doing very innovative, unusual things for me and my knowledge of ways to attract clients to themselves. And that's where my brain just really kind of exploded. And, and for another reason also, because a lot of people, a lot of creatives are kind of um, – uh, you know, we're introverted and I'm not the most, I may sound introverted on YouTube and on my podcast, but I am a very kind of, I'm a wallflower sort of dude. You put me in a conference and I'm like the last person who's going to come up and talk to you. <laughs> and so I, I was petrified by the idea of having to reach out cold to anybody in terms of new business. And so when I heard about content marketing and started to learn about all the different ways you could do it, I thought, oh, this is going to be my jam because if I can draw people to me who want to do business with me so I don't have to go out and find them, I'm going to put my back and my energy into content marketing like nobody's business. And so that was one of the things that was kind of birthed out of my own personality type and necessitated my having to approach building this aspect, the new business engine of my business in a completely different way than I had done in the past. 
Because in my past agency life, it was like all the big clients came to us, you know? Sometimes we would have to go out and pitch and, you know, present a credentials deck and win people over and stuff like that. But that's not how I was going to be getting business for my new consultancy. So I had to design something different. I love what you just shared, Philip. And I think it's such a great example of one of the things I'm really passionate about that I've learned in on my journey. And frankly, I'm still figuring out for myself, just being transparent about this, which is there, as people go out on their own to know, and it might seem obvious because you might be like, well, look, I'm a designer. I'm going to be designing things, right? I'm, I'm a whatever. I'm a marketer and I'm going to go do marketing consulting, right? It might seem obvious to you what you're going to do, but just know there are a lot of different business models out there yeah. and there are different ways to attract clients to you. And we are not all wired to do the same thing. Right. And so, you know, there, and I think it's really important to think about this. And it's what I've learned where I realized I've started to go down a path and, and this is fine. This is how you learn, but I started to go down a path. And as I was, you know, going along, I'm like, huh, actually, I don't know that that's really where I'm headed because if I need to do X, Y, and Z to get there, I don't think that's a good fit for me mm -hmm. as my, like what I enjoy, what brings me joy when I'm in flow, what my skill sets are. And so it's just to know that, because I think I said this on a prior podcast episode that you're going to be bombarded with like, you should do a course, you should build oh a my gosh, yes. community, you should do this. And they're going to all sound like that is the one thing to do. It's totally shiny and object syndrome at the beginning. It's overwhelming. It can be, right? And yeah. so to know that there are different business models out there. And I think what I appreciate about what you shared, Philip, was that you were taking in all that, like you kind of identified the problem and then you were taking in all of what you were learning and then you, I, you leaned into like, Ooh, that's my jam. And you went deep into it yeah. and it's been successful for you. Yeah. One of the things I, and we talked about this before we hit record. One of the things I wanted to touch on in this episode is, um, one of those kind of larger scope for thinking things that you have to address when you're thinking about your own new business. And that is, what is the scope of it going to be? Because when I was in that mastermind community, one of the things that people would ask me all the time, because I was the branding guy, was like, should I name my business after myself or should I name my business, give my business a name? And um, because I've done a lot of, you know, naming in the past and stuff like that. And I was also offering up my brand consultancy uh, experience for free within this community to make connections and get to know people. And also to practice a little bit at the level that I was now going to be working on. And one of the things that I kind of figured out was that, you know, if you're starting your own business and it's going to be a personal branded business or an entrepreneurial business, you kind of have to decide, is this going to be all about me and I, or do I ever want to sell this? Or do I ever want to bring in high-level partners who are equal partners in this sort of business? Or how how do I ultimately want to scale this? Because you have to decide um, those things when it comes time to just naming your business, which is like number one, like what am I going to put on my business card? Because if you name it after yourself, you can't sell your name. You can't scale beyond you. And no matter what, 
all of your clients will always be looking for their interaction with you as the principal. You may have secondary people, but they came to the business for you and your name. If you name it, you know, the name of an agency, you know, rocket ship agency or whatever that is, you can sell that down the line. You can scale, you can bring in equal partners who can, you know, allow you to scale it to the point where you could eventually divest yourself of the company or agency and sell it. So you have to kind of think about that sort of down the road, um, you know, talk about sustainable ambition, like where do you want to take this thing? Um, it's, and there's no right or wrong way, but it, that's one of those things that very upfront, you kind of got to, you got to put a stake in the ground. I mean, you can evolve, you can start off naming it after yourself and then eventually develop a, a business name and kind of do a doing business as sort of thing. Um, but it's one of those questions that I think that you have to address, right? And you and you and I both started off kind of doing business under our own names and then added in business names and then secondary business names too, as we expanded, right? Yeah. And this is one, you know, and you're listening to two brand people. <laughs> okay. So I just, and not to diss us, but just to say, this is, this, this is, it gets mucky. It gets like it branding does, right? can be hard and making these decisions can be hard. And yet, as Philip's saying, this is one of the core things to really think about in your planning is how do you want to show up and how do you want to brand yourself? And I'm just going to be transparent and saying mine has been a little messy. And I both chose to your point, Philip, I chose not to just say like Kathy Onetto Consulting. And again, it was because of how I wanted to present myself and how I wanted to show up. And I will say that strategic decision to say the agency Onetto versus Kathy Onetto Consulting absolutely changed how people saw or thought what, what they think my business is. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that terminology can set expectations for what people might experience from you. And so if I was going in, like we, I had the opportunity to pitch for a very large company in my first year, this brand architecture assignment. And you know, that was a possibility. Uh, if I had presented myself solely as Kathy Onetto Consulting, there's no way I would have been given that opportunity. Mm. I wouldn't have shown up as a credible resource, in my belief, for to be able to offer the full services that that client needed. And so I do think this is important. And yet, you know, to your point, Philip, there's a reason why uh, sustainable ambition is sustainable ambition too. And, and it's not just Kathy Onetto coaching, right? So there's, there's, there are these strategic choices you need to make. And yet having said all that, there are a lot of good examples of people who use their name. You know, one woman who I follow and I'm part of her community is Dory Clark. Dory shows up as Dory Clark. You know, that is her website. She is a recognized expert that is that has been quite successful for her. And she's not the only one. There are plenty of people out there. Um, but I think you're emphasizing this is, is really a great point. And I just want to say, just know, again, it can get a little messy. And I think we said on a prior episode, this is why considering investing, either doing like a, a barter with somebody who brings that expertise and maybe you offer something and they offer the, like being a thought partner on your branding, 
joining a mastermind, joining a community where you can get some feedback from other people, consider something like that. Because as we said, it's hard to do branding for yourself and make some of these strategic decisions. It's hard to do it in a vacuum. It's helpful to have other people's perspectives. Yeah. And it's really, it's almost really impossible to understand the scope of what is possible now in a vacuum. I, I used to say at the very beginning that joining a mastermind group, which I am a massive comrade of now, I mean, I even run my own paid mastermind groups now, is that it added rocket fuel to my growth. If I had tried to learn and do and figure out all these things on my own, it would have taken me five times as long easily. And I don't know that I even probably would have gotten to where I am if I tried to do it myself. So I think that's a really important point. And the other point I just want to kind of highlight with you is that the point you're making about the, the messiness of it, right? Just like any business evolves, entrepreneurial businesses, to a certain extent, in my view, evolve faster and sometimes have a messier periods of time than almost any other business. And so that's one of those things I would say when you're planning is that you have to plan for the mess, right? You have to plan and give yourself the license to have it be non that je- you're trying to nail jello to the wall to an, a certain extent because you you have to put a stake in the ground but you have to realize that from the very beginning that goalpost is going to shift over and over and over again and your business model or even your audience your avatar what it is that you're offering may not be the same in a year or even 2 years from where you are right now you got to start right you have to put a stake in the ground and figure out some sort of plan to begin with. But you also have to be open to the fact that that may evolve very quickly for a number of reasons. Your avatar may not be open or interested in what it is that you're offering as much as you thought it was they were going to be. You might not be as good at delivering it as you thought you were going to be. You might not really like doing it with that particular audience as much as you thought. And then the other part of it is like you may realize that, oh, there's this there was this marketing approach or there's this product delivery approach that if I shifted or pivoted to this, I would like it more and it would I could be more successful. So there's all sorts of uh, kind of um, pivot points <laughs> or gears that change and shift um, as you're building this thing. And to go into it expecting that that's going to happen is going to make it a lot less painful. Because if you go in thinking that it's static and you're going to like stick to your guns for three years, you're setting yourself up for a lot of pain. I, do, you, do you agree with that? I totally agree with that. <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh, I think you just have to be willing to go on the ride. And yeah. It's one of the things I think this time of being a solopreneur or being my, you know, running my own business is a time of living into not knowing. Mm. And I know that people not knowing is really challenging. It's one of the things that I think stresses us out the most. You know, we really like to know, we want to know. And I've talked with a lot of people in my community about this. And I was even asked by my coach, what's so great about knowing? And Really, like, that's a great great question, (laughs) right? And I love, I love how one of one of my other, uh, you know, mentors has said, like, you know, if you know, there's one path. If you don't know, there's all kinds of possibilities. Yeah, and and I really love that reframe. And I also kind of took what my coach had asked and and built on it, and kind of thought for myself, like, really, what do I need to know now? 
Like, what do I really need to know now? And there's like, in the end, I'm like, there's not too, too much. I absolutely need to know now. I just need to know what I want to test next, what action I want to know next. And so like you're saying, I appreciate, even though, and this is a great way to maybe end this, this episode, Philip, which is even though we're telling you to plan, right. And be intentional. Like we talked about, think about your personal plan. Think about that transition plan. Think about what your business model is that you want to initially start with. Think about your brand plan, but then also hold it lightly, you know, plan. And we're going to also talk about in the next episode, building on this, this idea of like, okay, it's time to get resourced. You're about to like head out on this trip and you got to build what you're going to be taking with you, you know? And so you need to start, like you said, somewhere, but just this idea of holding it lightly so that you know that it, it gives you some permission to let it evolve, I think is is wise guidance from you. Yeah. And there's so many, the other, in, in terms of what you start with, because there are so many different ways of going about things now because of how the digital entrepreneur space is, you want to do everything, but you can't do everything. There's no way you can come out of the gate touching every one of these kind of activities as much as you want to. So you have to kind of choose a subset of those and start. And you may find that some work for you, some don't. And then you sub some out with something new. So not only around your business concept, but around your your resources and your infrastructure, do you also have to kind of make a make a an informed choice from the outset and then be open to the fact that you will be dropping and picking up tools as you go along. And that's going to be evolving too. Yeah, for sure. Well, I hope everyone has gotten a lot out of this conversation and gotten you excited to plan, you know, before you take the leap and then come back for the last two episodes where we're going to be really getting into action and talking about how do you actually start to build what you need before you go out on your own and then like, yep, you've now made the leap and and you're doing it. And what does that look like? So this has been great, Philip. I'm looking forward to the next conversation. All right. So everyone listening, come to us and listen to episode four and five because you want to hear the rest of the journey. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sustainable Ambition Podcast. I hope you take away at least one learning or inspiration from today's conversation. Find more inspiring interviews and get show notes for this episode at sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips, guides, and tools by signing up for Sustainable Ambition Forum, my twice monthly newsletter. Sign up at sustainableambition.com slash subscribe. And remember, it's not about finding work-life balance. It's about building work-life resilience. Thanks again for joining me. Speak with you next time.